Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Female sexual wellness is more than just bubble bath and spa days. This is why I recommend supplements from Giddy Health. Giddy has libido-boosting supplement for women that contains powerful ingredients like ashwagandha and ginseng, which taken over time has shown to improve libido, mood, and sexual functioning. Visit GiddyHealth.com, that's G-I-D-D-Y Health.com, and use code GIDDY10 for 10% off. Supplements are sexy. You know when someone who's really sexually confident walks into the room, they just exude this sexual life force. So today, we're going to talk about, really, our sexual well-being, sexual life force cultivation, uh, magnetism, and all good things. Hello, my loves. It's Dr. Tara, your favorite sex and relationship expert here at Love Bites, the podcast for sexual wellness and exploration. Today with us, we have Simona Rose. She has been studying various medicines for over 10 years. She began in modern medicine, specializing in pharmacology, and ended up leaving this pathway to dive deeper into the natural world of medicine. She has been integrating ancient medicines, vibrational therapies, and specifically Chinese medicine, focusing on vitality, radiance, balance, and longevity. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us today and sharing, sharing your wisdom, Simona. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here and to be tapping in with you. Yes, I'm really excited to hear more. But before we even go further into like sexual energy, um, magnetism through sacred sexuality and all good things, um, I want to know more about you more than just the bio. Like you, uh, before recording, we were talking about your journey when you were a kid and how you made the switch from that like kind of Western medicine world to more towards like bodily things and Eastern medicine world. Uh, mm. So can you tell, tell us more about that? Yeah. So I was um, in the past, I was doing my master's in pharmacology and very much in the Western medicine framework. And during that time, there was two major things that came through um, that evoked this inspiration to to dive deeper into holistic and integrated health. And the first thing that came up was my own experience. So long story short, just like a summarized version, my mom was sick when I was growing up and I pretty much grew up in a hospital. So that was the seed of inspiration of wanting to pursue medicine. But it also in that experience, I developed very severe anxiety. And being in the hospital and being around everyone that was sick, it planted this seed in my mind and in my subconscious that I was going to be sick next. And I was going to have these health imbalances. And the mind and subconscious is so powerful that then I became sick and I was in and out of the hospital and test after test and all these different diagnoses. And they wanted to put me on a myriad of medications. And at this time, I was, I was between like 10 and 12 years old um, that all this was really happening. And my parents said like, no, she's so young. Like, I don't want to put her on all these medications. She needs to learn how to um, like deal with these emotions that are coming through and, and the anxiety. So fast forward, I spent many years just emotionally shutting down because I didn't have the tools to regulate my emotions to regulate my nervous system and um, embrace the side of me. It's my hypersensitivity. It's, it's actually my gift, um, but it was unregulated when I was young. So when I was studying medicine, my anxiety came back full on because I was working a crazy schedule, really intense um, environment. I was running all these experiments and I was having multiple panic attacks a week. Yeah, that's, it was. Uh, that's scary. 
multiple yeah. panic attacks a week. I've had like one in my whole life, and that was awful. So I cannot imagine someone that has to go through that. And I mean, I was uh, looking at statistics uh, earlier about anxiety in general. Um, almost everyone experiences anxiety at some point in their lives, but like one in ten people feel like they have chronic anxiety, whether or not it's diagnosed. That's crazy, right? Like, yeah, we're now so anxious. Because we're so stimulated and we're living in such a go, go, go world with so much pressure and any type of rest and relaxation and rejuvenation is seen as lazy. And our worth is, is associated with our productivity and our accomplishments. So we silence how we're truly feeling. And like, we can even go deep into the conversation of like menstrual cycles and like women not even honoring the day of their bleed which like we're losing so much energy, so much life force. Like we should all be taking that time to rest and we just muscle forward and we push through. And this creates so many imbalances within our health, which isn't talked about from the modern medicine framework. So when I was experiencing this within myself at the time, I was in and out of the hospital again, because I was having these panic attacks and I thought I was dying. And the doctor diagnosed me with early onset MS and I was 23 years old. Yeah. Which like, you don't tell a hypochondriac. Wow. (laughs) Like take all this medicine. Yeah. And the identities and the labels of like, oh, I'm going to have all these problems and these imbalances. And I didn't, I didn't allow that, um, to really sink in. And I took radical responsibility. As soon as I finished my master's, I was like, first off, like I need to get my system and my nervous system regulated and figure out how to harmonize that within myself. Otherwise this is going to be a lifelong problem. And I am going to be really sick if I don't get this under control. And the other piece was actually working in the, the clinics. I just saw the, the gaps between the emotional intelligence and not actually addressing the root problem. So yes, we were helping patients, but because we weren't addressing the root, they would be back. So I just had this, this desire and this, this pull to dive deeper in. And I was like, there's got to be more. And it's not to discredit the modern system. I think it's really powerful, but it's fragmented. And the natural medicine, especially when working symbiotically with the modern research and the modern context, it creates more of this holistic and integrated approach and seeing the body as a unique whole. So that's a little bit of my my journey that brought me into natural healing modalities. And now I'm like such an advocate for optimizing your energy and balancing your health and also like cycle work primarily for women. Wow. So what would be a few things that you do to optimize your energy from this, uh, the other medicine perspective? (laughs) So many things. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know that one of the things that you do is definitely movement. Right. Like yeah. I, I see you do like dancing a lot. And I don't remember what which uh who said this quote, but someone said dancing uh dancing is the shortcut to happiness. Oh <laughs> that is so cute. But yeah, I see you do a lot of like like big movements. Is that a part of your wellness journey? Absolutely. Movement is huge because for look look at it like from um I I study Chinese medicine. So you have meridians or channels that the energy or chi flows in. And the optimal is when the channels are open and the chi is clear and flows with ease. That's when we're like optimal health. When we start to have problems, it's when the chi becomes muddy or turbid or the chi begins to stagnate. So if we're not moving, that chi will begin to stagnate. And then we'll see this in our emotions. We'll see this in our ambitions and our energy levels and in our overall health. So the subtle then becomes a physical manifestation of imbalance. So movement is a non-negotiable for me. And breath is another really powerful tool um, that I tap into every day. And not just, of course, we're breathing all the time, but conscious breath. and really tapping into 
harmonizing the nervous system by activating the parasympathetic, which is slowing the body down. That's where we rest and rejuvenate. And if you're not slowing your body down, that's why you don't have as much energy because you're burning so much fuel without replenishing it. And we're aging rapidly yeah. because of this. What do so you say to people who, Yeah. What do you say to people who, who say things like, you know, I work really hard. Like I hustle all the time. I have no time to rest. I have kids. I, you know, I work all day. I come home, I cook, um, I take care of my kids and then I have to go to bed. Like, what do you, what do you advise them to do? Right. So, um, this is, this is the modern day framework and the context, right? So it's how can we practically biohack our nervous system to bring us into parasympathetic? And it can be simple practices. They don't, you don't have to be uh, a monk in the Himalayas meditating to access peace. So a big tool that I use is sound because sound activates the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is the switch for the nervous system. So you can either be in sympathetic, which is that doing, going, la, 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 all the time, or you have the parasympathetic, which is where you're repairing rejuvenating, resting, recovering. So using the vagus nerve, using sound to drop us into parasympathetic is going to increase our energy, increase our, our mental clarity. A lot of people that are always doing and going struggle with memory, brain frog, anxiety, up and down with depression, lack of sleep. So when we start to activate parasympathetic, which Breath, sound, and even something as simple as laughing will activate this system. Yeah. I love that. I laugh every day. So I hope uh, <laughs> I hope that's good for my body and rejuvenation. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, okay. Uh, the sound that you're talking about, is it like something that people can just seek out on like Spotify? Mm -hmm. or, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple different things you can, you can play with, with sound. I really said, like, I really advocate for making the sound because oh, we can listen okay. to so making the sound rather than just passively listening. That is powerful too. listening to healing frequencies, grounding frequencies, calming music is also going to bring you into, into a calm state for sure. But actively making the noise, oming, singing a song that you love that like brings you so much joy and peace, um, mantra work, even just humming. Like I always find myself throughout the day, like I'm always just like, hmm, in my responses. <laughs> if someone's telling me like, hmm, and it's become this habit that I am constantly using these vibrations to soothe my nervous system to drop me into my body and the, the impacts are profound. Like I, I would not even say that I, I, I suffer from anxiety anymore. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> That's my response. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be trying that more and more. I'm going to adopt it. Uh, so um, since this is a sexual wellness podcast, I really am interested in the, um, the work that you do and how it's related to sexual wellness. And mm. you talk about sexual life force. Um, what is sexual life force and why sexual life force cultivation is important? And then how mm -hmm. people can start. Before we dive into that, I also just want to like segue with what we were just talking about, like in terms of sexuality and sacred sexuality of like your throat has the same structure as like your pelvic space. So this is such a connected, a connected channel, the throat and, and the sacral. So even like when we're experiencing pleasure, it's like through like moaning and the more that we moan, like the more that we open up and the more that it becomes the symbiotic relationship because it's dropping us deeper into our body. So sound is such a beautiful pathway of opening yourself up more, tapping into like that space of surrender. So you can really feel pleasure and really tap into 
um, allowing your, your life force and, and your sensuality and your sexuality to be expressed and to be free. I am loving everything that you're doing and saying right now. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm, yes, baby. <laughs> wow. Beautiful. Okay. So, wow. So, okay. I do uh, this type of like class sometimes where uh, it's, it's about just cultivating uh, pleasure in the body. And one of the exercises is to moan. And people often ask me, well, I'm not having sex. So like, how can I just moan? I said, you can moan for anything. You can literally have a really a good bite of food and moan. Mm-hmm. You can smell really uh, beautiful flowers and moan. So moaning, even though it's so attached to like having sex, I think you can moan from anything. And moaning, I feel for me, is such an expressive way uh, of showing myself and people around me uh, of pleasure, ways of pleasure. And the fact that you said that it's attached to your sacral uh, space and how much it's related to that, you know, sexual well-being. It, you're just you're preaching to the choir. I'm now <laughs> loving it even more. So now I can use this knowledge I just learned from you to my students. I can say like this is what Simona said. How it uh, is related to your sacral chakra. Hmm. Hmm. And it's also coming into this space of like liberation. Because I find so much of our sexual expression um, has been uh, contained, distorted, and it's either that we're having a hard time to express ourselves and just being and tapping into that space, or there's like this performative aspect of you're not really feeling it, but then you're like doing what you think you should be doing. And like you're- porn. Yeah. Like in porn, I can't imagine like, you know. In porn, there's no foreplay. There's no movement. It's just like the guy comes in. He opens the door. He rips his shirt off and he has abs. So like the girl's like, oh, oh my God. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> and then and then she's immediately wet. Like there's no clitoral touching or stimulation in this scene. Just he's like there and he just rams into her and it's like, oh my God. Oh, oh. <laughs> this right. is the porn I watched growing up. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's sex. Oh, cool. So like in my, all, all of my early twenties is me performing. Mm-hmm. It's me performing so that I feel good about myself and, and that I can show up for my partner, not really harvesting the pleasure at all. I can't even um, I can't even remember if I ever had like sexual pleasure in my early 20s because I was just performing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this so, is this is part of the problem and the disconnect with porn is this like hyper sexualization and this it's again it's like this like rushing culture and it's like so fast versus dropping in and I feel like this is now a segue like into your your first question of like, what is life force cultivation? Because it's reframing and reprogramming sex as life force. So our, our sexual energy, our, our sex energy is creation energy. So we can see this in, in making a baby for sure. This is like a very, um, like tangible and like physiological. That's what, that's what we do, right? We create life through sex. But if we sink in deeper to the energetics, it's the same thing. It's creation energy itself. So when you start to see your sex energy as your creation energy, you start to bring that life force into your business, into your relationships, and all that you're creating in your life versus like it's only reserved for sex and that's the only time that I I tap into it is like when I'm expressing myself in that way versus like I am an expression of life force. And every day I'm playing with sex energy every day I'm playing with pleasure and igniting this side of myself. So it's a reframing. Wow. Okay. So if, you know, sexual life force and that like energy is something that's 
pretty solid that's in everyone and that we can all learn to cultivate it to have uh you know better well-being um mm-hmm. in that sense um why do you think it's important to cultivate the life force and how can someone start right okay so a big piece of this is going back to the rest and the rejuvenation um and i'm going to bring this into yin and yang which is water and fire feminine and masculine so water the water principle the feminine births all life births all things so the feminine births the masculine and then they work in this symbiotic relationship they cannot exist without one another and the magic happens when you find the the sweet spot the sweet spot between the two forces this is like your flow state your being your your non doing it just is like it's ecstasy it's magic it's it's perfect harmony so the water principle the feminine is our essence so we're born with so much essence and then our lifestyle cultivates the essence okay. so your food your water and your breath is like the the basics but then also looking in terms of all aspects of life is it nourishing your yin is it building your yin or is it draining it your relationships your career is it building these reserves or is it depleting it now most of us are living in hyper fire always doing always going not resting so the thing is is we're burning our fire and the fire is drinking up all of the essence and we're not replenishing it so when we're young we can get away with it but as we begin to age this is when we really start to see the ramifications of not nourishing the yin and balancing and, and empowering the fire So the ancients did all of this cultivation within the yin, within the waters, so they would have more power, more vitality, more radiance, and their goal was immortality, which is this longevity, a long, vibrant life. And this begins in the water cultivation. So this is where, yeah, those sacral waters slowing down, going into nature, and. And really building these reserves. So, uh, going into the what you just explained, if I was someone who is in this go-go modern society, let's say you know, uh, let's say I'm a lawyer, and all day I'm just arguing, prepping documents, and then I come home, uh, I eat my food, drink. Uh, a glass of wine, watch some TV, and go to sleep, and then I go on a loop like this every day. And I know millions of people are in this loop. Um, mm-hmm. What is the simplest way to start? Right, like um, someone like that who has maybe never mm-hmm. even thought about meditation or mm-hmm. uh, or breath work, or you know, like where mm-hmm. do you think is the simplest way for someone to step into? This life force cultivation journey. Mm-hmm. the The most accessible is like spending some time in nature every day. Um, even if it's just like maybe like walking outside instead of taking, if it's like accessible, instead of like taking your car on your break, going and putting your feet in the grass. Like nature, nature is bringing us back into balance constantly. And it's also helping to remove um, toxins and radiation, like all of the EMF that we receive from working on our computers, and always connect to Wi-Fi. That actually is not the best for our bodies. So the more we can commune with nature, whatever that looks like, the better. And the second piece is like finding a practice that brings you enjoyment, because if you're If you're so focused and disciplined throughout your life, and then you got to add in another practice that is like, oh, it feels like an obligation. Like that takes the fun out of it and the purpose out of it. It's supposed to be something that just brings you into presence. Like think of when you were a child and what you like to do. Did you like to play music? Did you like to draw? Did you like to dance? Whatever it is, and then developing a bit of a practice around that. 
Right. I think those are really good, simple practices that people can start trying like today, right? So if mm-hmm. you have even a, a 30 minute after dinner to instead of watch an episode of TV, maybe try a couple times a week, walk outside and, you know, enjoy the trees around you. If you live in like city dwellings like me, I live right in the middle of downtown LA. Uh, I try to once a week drive to the beach or uh, hiking so that I am in nature because I so, mm-hmm. so need it. I know that I do because after nature, I feel so good. Yeah. So, it's, so exactly it recharges the battery. It really, like nature is so smart. <laughs> uh, I went to an herbalism class the other day and the teacher was saying, you know, nature is so smart, but then uh, humans find these plants and they break them apart. And then now they're dangerous. But like, if you had consumed the whole plant, the nature, like the plant created its, its own really, diff- really uh, smart system where yes, like one ingredient by itself is dangerous. However, if you take it as a whole, there is this other protective mechanism in it already, which is right. like something I never thought about. Never thought about. There was like, a, I think a willow bark or something where like, if you extract a part of it, it's very dangerous. But if you take it t- together, I don't know. It's just gives me appreciation for plants and nature and all of that. So wise. So wise. Another drop that's coming through too is um, like before bed, if you can like get off the screens or, or the TV um, and like the bright lights, because that really messes with our circadian rhythm and our quality of sleep. So you could also put like a, a slowing down practice right before bed that half an hour that it's like, I turn all the devices off. I put my phone onto airplane mode. So I'm not getting that signal while I'm sleeping and that's disrupting my healing and having a little bit of a bedtime practice is, is a good way to start. Oh, what's your bedtime practice? Um, I love having tea at nighttime. Is it like decaf tea? Yeah. I usually have like, yeah, I'll have like a chamomile. So it's like a sleepy tea. And yeah, it's just slowing things down. And I've been bringing tea into just, uh, I see tea as like a meditative practice of like slowing down, brewing it, being very intentional with it. And I do it throughout the day as well. Like I'll have like a daytime tea and it's just opportunities to just to pause and reflect and, and slow down a little bit because it's so easy to get caught up in like our day-to-day tasks and, Oh, I have so much I want to get done. Or I want to, I have this list and yeah, (laughs) there I'm there with you. My calendar is so full. (laughs) I do uh, meditate every day, even for five minutes. And that is such a necessity for me now. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot, just not meditate. Uh, I would say if I don't meditate for a day in which I don't remember how that feels now because I've meditated every day for two over two years. But uh, if I, I feel like if I don't, I would feel very tight. Uh, mm. How I feel in relations to others, I feel it reflects in my body. Mm. So my neck and my shoulders will be really tight when I interact with, let's say, my boss or like someone who is like really intense and I feel it in my body. So that meditation, even for five minutes, it's very important for me, like necessary. Absolutely. And it's the, like with these, this, like coming back to like just life force cultivation, because meditation is also building that life force. Um, it's, it's more powerful to do short intervals and to be committed every day because the long-term effects are from compounded consistency. So the more that we're regularly exercising this muscle, the more that it's building up this energy and this capacity. So it's better to do five minutes every day than to do an hour once every two weeks. Oh, interesting. Uh, I like this. I subscribe to this thought. (laughs) I like this school of thought because like sometimes I will go to a yoga class and someone's like, oh yeah, I meditate every day for like 45 minutes to 60 minutes. I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. Right. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. It's like, as long as you're showing up a little bit every day, that's what's important. And like, also like compassion for self because we're living in very modernized worlds. You know, it's a, it's a different, it's a different, um, life or capacity. If like, that's like, that's your life's work or that's your main fuel of purpose is to meditate and is to be in these states. But for the average modernized person, that that's not a realistic reality. So it's like, how can we bring these aspects to harmonize and then optimize our lives so we can be of better service in our relationships and our jobs? And yeah, compassionate heart too versus like a, a, yeah. criti- a critical heart. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying on that compassionate heart. That's for sure. Uh, the one thing that you talk about is magnetism, right? Mm-hmm. Magnetism. Um, what is magnetism? So this is like, this is the feminine waters. So when you really start to cultivate this, this potency in your womb space, you start to then magnetize both sides of the spectrum, you know, and this is where discernment is really important because as your, your life force becomes really potent, it's almost like you're, you become like shiny, you know, it's like you become felt and, and your presence is, is really, is really felt. So you will also attract some denser energies, entities, and you'll also attract like that at which you're calling in. So then you have to get clear as to like, what am I going to allow into my field? What resonates, what's aligned and flow with that. Or like having that discernment of no, this isn't what I'm calling in. This isn't aligned for what I've seeded my intention. And I'm going to put that boundary and I'm going to honor my no. So the more that we become discerned and really seeing our energy, our time, especially our sacred waters, our sexual waters as our highest currency, then we really start to magnetize more and more opportunities, powers, relationships, whatever it is that we're calling in. So it's this dance of like cultivating, embodying, and then discerning. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm learning so much from this and I find it quite similar to the idea of um, like manifesting and like self-fulfilling prophecy. Is it related to that? Yes. Yeah, so manifestation, like manifestation and magnetism go hand in hand because sometimes and everything, again, it's this dance of yin and yang. It's this dance of feminine and masculine. So with manifesting is like you you manifest that at which you are. So if you're building this frequency, then you're going to magnetize into your reality, these different opportunities, which is, is your manifestation. But with that being said, with manifestation, it's also taking the aligned action. So there's a fine balance of surrendering and receiving, but also putting in that aligned action, because we can't just expect to always be in a state of receiving (laughs) if we're not in that masculine action. So, but the, sometimes where we get caught is we're actioning, we're actioning, we're actioning, we're actioning, and we're not actually listening and adjusting. So you can action all of these things, yet you're, it's not really working for you and you're not really getting the results that you desire. And that's because the, the subtleties may be off or the intention may be off or the actual root of the frequency, like maybe you're actioning, but it's coming from a scarcity mindset and it's coming from energetic scarcity. So it's like, you're actually putting that out into the universe, into the energetics versus I'm coming from an abundance and full and overflowing. And I'm putting in the aligned action. And that's where the magic of manifestation happens. So it's playing in both of these spaces, the subtleties, as well as the, like we're living a human experience. So we also do have to to work with the material plane in order to make it happen. So, and then you said manifestation and the other one was uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. So like if you show up somewhere and you are showing up with this like kind of down energy, very tense, uh, very much like, I, like you said, like the masculine, like the go, go, go. 
uh, and you're just saying like, well, this is not going to work. Then I feel like you're then you're magnetizing the fact that it's not going to work mm-hmm. versus uh, being magnetic could mean like, you know, th- first thinking it will work and then putting in the action to make it work. Right. And then the success of whatever you aim to do comes. Maybe you want to rest instead of saying, ah, oh, I can't rest. I can't. I'm not someone like that. Maybe you just say, hey, I think I'm good at resting. I'm going to do that today. Right. And see what happens. Right. And then try to rest and see what happens. Uh, right. what, you've, what you've been talking about, I want to apply it to a sexual context and I want to see what you think. Let's say, mm-hmm. let's say a woman comes to you. And she goes, uh, you know, I haven't had any sexual desire for a long time. I'm not, you know, tapped into my femininity or sexuality. You know, I haven't wanted sex in a long time. And it's a problem between me and my husband. Uh, how would you advise her based on what you study in your work? Right. So where I would begin is with acceptance. Because often the most criticism and then resistance comes from when we're trying to control something. And if we're feeling discomfort, it's like usually then we move even more into these waves of control. So I would invite to like, okay, like feeling into like, but it, like, it's okay that you're not, you're not feeling the desire. Like first, let's like, just kind of accept that, like accept that within your body, within your emotions, within your being, because then you begin to soften. And when you begin to soften, then you can get past this like death grip hold. And when we begin to soften, then we can begin to tap into the subtleties. And as we begin to explore the subtleties, then you'll start to listen and hear the why. And from there, like those subtle messages then give us the opportunity for adjustment and for cultivation. So maybe with this person, it's like they don't have the desire because they're working all the time and they're tired. So it's like, instead of then adding it to another list of the things to do, then it's like, okay, well, where can I cultivate more yin time? That's then going to allow me to tap into these, these parts within myself, or maybe it's an emotional imbalance within self or, or within the relationship dynamic that needs to be explored. And empowering that space will then rebring in the the connection and maybe there needs to be a sense of communication and not feeling seen or heard like there's so many pathways that your internal intelligence will guide you if you give it the space and the full capacity of like come as you are like everything and anything is welcome and this is also feminine expression. She is wild. She is not contained. She doesn't look like a certain way. She is the roaring sea and the volcano, the budding flower and the still lake. So the more that we allow our nature to just be in its expression and guide us into deeper intelligence, the more that we can proactively support our emotions, our body and our being. Wow. The what you just said about like she is the rosebud uh, but also the still like all of that that should be its own sound bite i'm gonna make sure that that's the sound bite it's gonna it's gonna become viral definitely like it's so good and you know listening to that i'm quite mesmerized because i am you know i'm a working woman in this very much masculine and businessy world and going to teach as a professor i project a lot of energy and then recording the podcast, I am on top of my game. I'm, you know, projecting a lot of energy. So going back to what you said, I think rest, rest is everything. The rejuvenation mm-hmm. part cannot happen without the slow, slowing down time. And mm-hmm. that's a good reminder for myself too, for slowing down and how much that affects every part of life. And particularly what we're talking about today, which is sex. So in a way, rest is very much related to sexual wellness. And we can also like reframe work too of like fueling up mm-hmm. as like fueling the up. rest. Yes. Fueling up. Fueling up. So it sounds more productive. <laughs> it is the most productive thing you can be doing. That's going to be it. That's going to be a wallpaper on my phone. Rest is the most productive thing you can be doing. That will be a wallpaper on my phone for sure. It's an art. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, it really is. And it's hard. Uh, <laughs> you In your work, you sometimes talk about yoni aches. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about what they are and what they're for? Yeah. So yoni eggs are a tool um, for cultivating life force, sexual energy. Um, it's also a really powerful tool of like strengthening the muscles within our yoni and within this space of the feminine. So it's it's a tool that's been used for thousands and thousands of years. Um, the I'm going to go into a little bit of a, a story time. The emperor was obsessed in obsessed with immortality, and he had all these different practitioners. He had a cosmologist who would study the the oracles of nature and the patterns of nature and the cosmos and, and give him direction. Then he would have a, a, a practitioner, a Chinese medicine, acupuncture, gua sha, um, all of these different modalities for, for cultivation. And then he would have a, a life force sage that would teach him these different practices of re- retention and circulation and consolidation, because this is our most potent force to work with and embody. And simultaneously, the women would be cultivating with yoni eggs and jade eggs. And then they would come together and do these cultivation practices together because it's, all, it's, it's powerful to do these practices within self. But when you're coming together with another person that's cultivating, you create a third entity. And like, yes, this is the child physically, but it's also energetically, you're birthing this, this, um, this combined energy and this combined force. So this is kind of like the origins and the roots. Um, a little disclaimer, like I definitely suggest exploring your body with yourself before using different tools, because it's so important to like redevelop this relationship with ourselves. Often, even within self-pleasure, it's like, how many times do we just go like right to the clit and like right to it versus like really taking the time for self, really listening to what your body's calling for and asking for and, and taking time in the subtleties to open up to pleasure versus going right to physical pleasure. So I even suggest this, like if you have a call to work with tools like Yoni eggs is developing a relationship with your Yoni and with your body and asking if it wants to work with the egg. Versus again, like forcing it in and, and cultivating it, like, oh, I need to do my yoni egg practices. It's like listening to your body. Like, what is your body calling? Like, yes, today I want to work with this egg and I want to cultivate this energy and this frequency. Or it's like, you know what? Actually, I just want to hold the crystal and feel the energy of the crystal and, and put my hand on my womb space and just sit with myself and, and be present with myself. So it, it's a, a myriad of, of practices within, within the yoni world and within the yoni egg world. I like that. Good alternatives. So like, you don't have to always put it inside your vagina. You can hold it uh, and touch your womb. And then I like the idea of asking your body what she needs. Uh, but at the end of the day, I also know that I, I know a lot of women that are feeling a little afraid um, because they have not had basically have not done like any exercises to tap in to themselves so they can't hear their own bodies uh um in this case what's a good way for someone to start like the relationship with their own bodies men and women Mm. simplistically for men and women like touching your body yeah and it doesn't even have to be sexual like it's just coming back into like holding yourself and gentle touch and like sometimes like I also like like a little bit like strong touch and like you know like feeling like that like protector energy or like that (laughs) that ferocity too and and yeah massaging my feet or massaging my legs so touch is is powerful for women specifically, connecting with your cycle is 
a revolutionary pathway to self-mastery. You cannot tap into your full power as a woman if you are not cultivated and connected to your cycle. Meaning like know which like stage of your period you're in? Yes. And just also the, the cycles of it. Like we're women, all beings are, we're cyclical beings. We're, we're nature. Nature moves day, night. And in these phases of yin and yang, but women specifically, we have these cycles every month of, of yin and yang. And when we're bleeding, we're at the uttermost yin, meaning what that's like the most, it's the, the dead of night. It's sleep time. It's slowing all the way down. But in the dead of night is also the the connection to the spiritual world. And it's so potent in in that time as well. Now I'm going to just come back into like more of like the practical. So like if we're in, in business and if we're in our everyday life, if we're bleeding and we're not honoring the stage of rest, the stage of yin, the stage of of time of refuel, we're burning all of our fire before we even get started. So when we come into the rest of our cycle that we we're at ground zero, we're at rejuvenation. And then as we start to move throughout our cycle, our fire begins to, to build. So when we hit ovulation, you're in that full fire, that full energy. And then after ovulation, the, the hormones, the energy begins to slow down as we move into yin. So if you start to sink in with this rhythm, you can build and empower your life from this space. So from a business perspective, like you want to be launching when you're ovulating, when you're in that full power. (laughs) I am loving this. I am loving this. I next time I am giving like a TED talk, I'm I make sure it's on the day I ovulate. <laughs> Absolutely. Versus wow. like you're trying to push yourself when you have no reserves and no energy. And it's like you're bleeding and you're like you barely can like show up. And then you end up having all of these these imbalances, period pain, PMS moodiness and then all like heavy bleeding and the list goes on. And then what do we do? We pop some Advil or ibuprofen and we, we muscle through it versus honoring it. And any type of period pain is not normal. You should not be experiencing pain on your period. We've been conditioned that it's normal. It's not. That is a direct message that you're out of balance and listening to that and using different tools in order to bring your body back into balance. I have zero, I used to have the most painful periods. I have zero pain now. Wow. You have zero pain and zero anxiety from all of the work that you've put in. Uh, you know, I don't want to say work even. It's like your lifestyle. Now. Yeah. It's like how you live. Cultivation. And I, yeah. I do want to like, I do have, I do have moments for sure. But yeah, when you're like stressed arrive, out. Yeah. But even with my periods, it's like if my period drops in and I'm doing that day, I'm going to experience pain. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the pain starts to come, it's an alarming system of like someone to slow down. It's time to go and rest. It's time to do your practices. And then as soon as I rest, gone. Love it. Love it. Got to honor our bodies and really rest. Uh, What did you say before? Fueling up. Yeah. We we are fueling up by resting. Rest up. Rest is the most productive thing you can do. Um, that's on my that's on my phone wallpaper now. That's gonna be on my phone wallpaper. So uh, this was so illuminating. Uh, I would like to move to the next segment, which is called yeah. 10 Quickies with Dr. Tara." And okay. I'm going to give you a word, and I just want you to give me your first response. Are you okay? Ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number one, sexual energy creation. Number two, meditation. <laughs> Play. Number three, BDSM. Mm, spicy feminine. Ooh. Number four, <laughs> anal sex. Delicious. <laughs> Number five, polyamorous relationship. Uh, ooh. <laughs> um, oh, can I, I can do a sentence for this? Yes. Follow your discernment. Know your needs. Yes. Number six. 
dancing. Mm, freedom. Number seven, vibrators. Mm, playful tools, but also not always needed either. Mm-hmm. Number eight, sex parties. <gasps> Exploration. Number nine, coconut oil. Oh, full body, yes. Um, <laughs> and just like slippery and sensual. Yes. And last but not least, number 10. What do you think? Missionary sex. Mm. Missionary sex. What does your body tell you? One, one flavor, but also like life is more fun when you explore the rainbow of possibility. Love it. Love it. That's a great ending. <laughs> for those of you that are listening, thank you so much to uh, for listening till the end of the episode. I will have all of Simona's information in today's show notes so you can reach out to her for more questions. I'm sure you uh, you welcome questions about wellness, right? Absolutely. Yes, okay. Uh, thank you so much for your time today for tapping in with me. And uh, it, it has been an illuminating conversation. Mm, thank you so much for holding such beautiful space and inviting me in to flow with you. <laughs> love it my loves uh, thank you so much again for listening till the end of the episode if you feel like this episode has been valuable to you share it with your friends uh, tag me on Instagram I'd love to hear from you and thank you so much for being here uh, have an orgasmic day I'm all about being sexual and in the moment this is why I orgasmically recommend the pulse warming system Pulse dispenses warm lube with just a swipe of your hand so you can get right back into action, which my partner and I love. So toss that sticky lube bottle and get the Pulse warming system and have an orgasmic play. Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.